Good evening. Jobs report shows a surprise jump in employment and strong wages. Another report says the death of 170 Afghans during the withdrawal from Kabul was unavoidable. And the mayor of New York City picks a new parks commissioner. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Friday, February 4th, 2022. The Labor Department reported today growth rose far more than expected in January, despite surging Omicron cases that sidelined millions of workers. Non-farm payrolls surged by 467,000 for the month, while the unemployment rate edged higher to 4%. The stunning gain came a week after the White House warned the numbers could be low due to the pandemic. However, the CDC reports COVID cases have plunged nationally in recent weeks, down more than 50 percent since peaking in mid-January. Earnings also rose sharply, accelerating 0.7 percent, good for a 12-month gain of 5.7 percent, confirming, though, that inflation continues to gather strength. President Joe Biden welcomed the news, though, of the employment rise earlier today. I want to speak to this morning about extraordinary resilience and grit of the American people and American capitalism. Our country is taking everything that COVID has a throw at us, and we've come back stronger. I'm pleased to report this morning, but many of you already know, that America's job machine is going stronger than ever, fueling a strong recovery and opportunity. The job gains brought employment back to about 1.7 million, below where it was in January 2020, a month before the pandemic declaration. President Biden took that credit. Look how many jobs we've created in an average per month. This is, uh, it's never happened before. And look, history's been made here. But it comes alongside the largest drop in unemployment rate in a single year on record. The largest reduction in childhood poverty ever recorded in a single year and the strongest economic growth this country has seen in nearly 40 years. Historic economic progress. The job gains were broad based with transportation and warehousing adding 54,000 local government education rising by 29,000 and health care moving higher by 18,000. The unemployment rate for blacks edged lower to 6.9 percent. The rate for Asians also declined, falling to 3.6 percent. Yesterday, the White House announced dozens of U.S. commandos landed outside the home of a leader of the Syrian branch of the Islamist group ISIS, killing its leader, Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qarashi. Al-Qarashi's wife and two children were killed along with the militant leader when he allegedly detonated a suicide bomb that destroyed the third floor of the building. A U.S. military helicopter malfunctioned, according to reports, and was destroyed by the commandos. Biden, speaking from the White House, said he directed the military to take every precaution possible to minimize civilian casualties. Knowing that this terrorist had chosen to surround himself with families, including children, we made a choice to pursue a special forces raid at a much greater risk than our, to our own people, rather than targeting him with an airstrike. We made this choice to minimize civilian casualties. We do know that as our troops approach to capture the terrorist, in a final act of desperate cowardness, he, with no regard to the lives of his own family or others in the building, he chose to blow himself up, not just to the vest, but to blow up that third floor, rather than face justice for the crimes he has committed taking several members of his family with him, just as his predecessor did. Last night's operation took a major terrorist leader off the battlefield and it sent a strong message to terrorists around the world. 
We will come after you and find you. U.S. officials reported no American injuries. California Democratic Representative Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, called for an investigation of the civilian deaths in yesterday's strike. Brown University's Cost of War Project estimates nearly 400,000 civilians have died in fighting since the United States and its allies launched what Americans call their War on Terror in 2001 after the 9-11 attacks. And last summer's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan was marked by a deadly attack from a suicide bomber carrying 20 pounds of explosives packed with ball bearings who acted alone. That's according to a Pentagon investigation released today. The investigation concluded the deaths of 170 Afghan refugees and 13 U.S. military personnel was not preventable. General Frank McKenzie is head of the U.S. Central Command. I found the results of the team's work comprehensive, credible, and definitive. The investigation found that a single explosive device killed at least 170 Afghan civilians and 13 U.S. service members by explosively directing ball bearings through a packed crowd and into our men and women at Abbey Gate. The disturbing lethality of this device was confirmed by the 58 U.S. service members who were killed and wounded despite the universal wear of body armor and helmets that did stop ball bearings that impacted them but could not prevent catastrophic injuries to areas not covered. General Frank McKenzie is head of U.S. Central Command. Investigators say the bomber likely got near the the gate by bypassing Taliban and other security checkpoints. They said it appears the Taliban didn't know of the attacks. Overall, the United States-led coalition evacuated about 126,000 people in about three weeks, and the U.S. left Afghanistan for the last time at about midnight on August 30th. And the United States accused the Kremlin yesterday of an elaborate plot to fabricate an attack by Ukrainian forces that Russia could use as a pretext to take military action against its neighbor. But when State Department spokesperson Ned Price briefed the media, saying the government has evidence of this false flag operation by Russia, that's a operation designed to create the illusion of a provocation, as in this case a Ukrainian provocation, to justify an attack. Price was met by tough questioning from a skeptical Matt Lee, who's the State Department reporter for the Associated Press. Lee raised the false U.S. justification for the invasion of Iraq 20 years ago weapons of mass destruction that were never found. Price also made a surprising claim, though, in retaliation. He said Lee, a veteran reporter, was less than patriotic. The option the Russians are considering, and which we made public today, involves the production of a propaganda video, a video with graphic scenes of false explosions, depicting corpses, crisis actors pretending to be mourners, and images of destroyed locations or military equipment, entirely fabricated by Russian intelligence. What is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making that shows that the Russians are doing this? Ned, I've been doing this for a while. I long know, that time. was my point. As, you, you, as have, you, know. you, you have been doing this for quite a while. You know I that have. when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so in, in a means. In I'm sorry you are doubting this. the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I, I, what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you. Yeah, but you don't have any any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. That is the idea behind deterrence. We are trying to deter the the Russians from moving forward with this type of activity. If the Russians don't go forward with this, that is not 
uh, ipso facto an indication that they never had plans to do so. Uh, but then it's unprovable. <laughs> I mean, my God, what is the evidence that you have that suggests that, that, that the Russians are even planning this? You just come out and say this and expect us just to, to, to believe it without you showing a shred of evidence that it's actually true. Other than when I ask, or when anyone else asked, what's the information? You said, well, I just gave it to you, which was just you making a statement. Matt, you said yourself, you've been in this business for quite a long time. If you doubt the, the credibility of the U.S. government, of the British government, uh, of other governments, and want to uh, you know, find uh, solace in information that uh, the solace? Russians are putting out, uh, that is, uh, <laughs> that is for you to do. I'm not asking what, what the Russian government is putting out. And that was an interesting interaction between the Associated Press reporter and the spokesperson for the United States State Department. Lee was referring to a speech before the United Nations by then Secretary of State Colin Powell claiming Iraq possessed weapons of mass destruction, a key element leading to the war. The media jumped at the time uncritically on the claim. Nevertheless, after the invasions, the weapons were never found. And in national news, in a speech to the Conservative Federalist Society in Florida, former Vice President Mike Pence today directly rebutted Donald Trump's false claims that Pence somehow could have overturned the results of the 2020 election, saying the former president was simply wrong. For those who believe that as the presiding officer over the joint session of... But there are those in our party who believe that as the presiding officer over the joint session of Congress that I possess unilateral authority to reject electoral college votes. And I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. In a statement Tuesday, Trump said the committee investigating the deadly January 6th attack on the Capitol should instead probe Quote, why Mike Pence did not send back the votes for recertification or approval. And on Sunday, Trump blasted Pence, falsely declaring that he could have overturned the election. Vice presidents play only a ceremonial role in the counting of electoral college votes, and any attempt to interfere in the count would have represented a profound break from precedent and democratic norms. Meanwhile, the Republican National Committee censured Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger at the party's winter meeting in Salt Lake City today for participating on the committee investigating the insurrection and assailed the panel for leading a persecution of ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse. The censure was approved a day after an RNC subcommittee watered down a resolution that had recommended expelling the pair from the party. The censure accuses Cheney and Kinzinger of participating in a Democrat-led persecution. In related news, Michael Avenatti was convicted today of charges he cheated the porn actress Stormy Daniels out of nearly $300,000 she was supposed to get for writing a book about an alleged tryst with former President Trump. Avenatti, who acted as his own lawyer, stared straight ahead as the verdict was read. 
U.S. District Judge Jesse, uh, pardon me, District Judge Jesse M. Furman ordered Avenatti to surrender Monday to U.S. Marshals in California. Avenatti is delayed serving a two and a half year prison sentence for his 2020 conviction in an extortion case. It capped an unusual trial in which Avenatti dumped his lawyers and decided to represent himself on the second day of the trial, setting up a face to face showdown with Daniels, his former client, who was the star witness. And in other news, celebrity news, the celebrity talk show host, movie actress, well-known personality Whoopi Goldberg was suspended for two weeks Tuesday as co-host of The View because of what the head of ABC News called her wrong and hurtful comments about Jews and the Holocaust. The suspension stems from comments New York City-born host made that race was not a factor in the Holocaust. She apologized later, but the remark drew condemnation. It's not about race. It's not about race. What is it about? Because it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's Jews, not about and, and race. It's it's the, but these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, How do we have to black people? But see them as white people. And they, but you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, because black, white, Jews, uh, it's ha- everybody eats each other. Whoopi's remarks came in the context of a story that went viral of a Tennessee school district voting to ban the adult a young adult-oriented book, Mouse, that tells the story of the Holocaust in comic book format. A McKin a McMinn County school board member, one of the school board members uh, who voted against, who voted in favor of uh, banning the book is Tony Allman. This is what he claimed. Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It's not wise or healthy. I'm not denying it. it was horrible, brutal, and cruel. It's like when you're watching TV and a cuss word or a nude scene comes on. It would be the same movie without it. Well, this would be the same book without it. If I had a child in the eighth grade, this ain't happening. If I had to move him out and homeschool him or put him somewhere else, this is not happening. Meanwhile, in a nearby Tennessee county, a local pastor led dozens of his members to build a huge bonfire this week to incinerate books they claim promoted witchcraft, such as Harry Potter. In the video, which is available uh, at various locations from Tennessee progressive newspapers, you see a very, very large fire surrounded by people tossing copies of the so-called witchcraft promoting books into the flames. And Jacob Bacharach is a Pittsburgh-based writer. He says Whoopi Goldberg, who identifies as Jewish, isn't anti-Jewish, just ignorant of history. Are sort of humorously ignorant, and I found them to be truly offensive, and I say that as a Jewish American. <laughs> she apologized afterward, and I think recognized that she said something that was pretty boneheaded and seems at least willing to take a lesson from it and to learn from it. I'm not sure really what's gained by the suspension other than perhaps giving even more fuel to the fire of the sort of many interrelated, but in my view, concocted controversies about cancellation and cancel culture. One more example for people who want to make the claim that if you say something wrong or misspeak in public, you're going to suffer some disproportionate professional and personal consequences for it. I think better to just have her apologize and hopefully learn a lesson from saying something and then getting relentlessly dragged on social media for it. Is being Jewish being part of a race or a religion? And what does that have to do with what she said? 
the Third Reich considered Judaism to be a race. The question of whether we self-conceive of ourselves as a race or people or a religion or whether there is some conventional definition that we could or will agree upon at some point is sort of irrelevant to the discussion of the Holocaust because in the Holocaust, the question of race and peoplehood was imposed upon the Jewish people from the outside. And so whether you are a quote-unquote fully assimilated Jew living and working in Berlin or you were a Yiddish-speaking Jew living in an agricultural community in a shtetl in Ukraine, it didn't matter in the eyes of the Third Reich. They considered you to be of a single and alien race, and they made their policy on that basis. When discussing the Holocaust, we simply have to accept that as having been the historical fact. There's an education problem here. You could pick up any book on the history of the Third Reich or even watch a lot of documentaries which hit on this over and over again. But uh, obviously she missed it. Because Americans want to think about World War II and therefore teach about World War II as being an example of an American triumph and a triumph of good over evil, a sort of example of progress in human history, that therefore all of the actually terrible things that occurred during that war get rendered almost as character details for the Nazi bad guys rather than being actual historical events themselves, which continue to have repercussions to this day, which we need to face as being the monstrous and human tragedies that they were. The most important part of the Holocaust is not that the camps were liberated, by the way, mostly by the Soviets, (laughs) but that they existed and that they functioned and that they got terrifyingly close to fulfilling their purpose. Speaking of the U.S. and bringing it home to the U.S., you know, which did not allow Jewish refugees to come into this country, sending them back to their death rather than allow their precious immigration statutes to be violated. What should Americans take away from this? What is the lesson? If we're going to learn a lesson from a from a celebrity's ignorance, I hope it will be that historical education, that history education is important and that it oughtn't be sanitized, not even for very young children, that we need to know what's happened in our past and understand not only the great heroism that humanity is capable of, but also the very monstrous things that humanity is capable of. The lessons of the Holocaust and the lessons of World War II and lessons of America's behavior in World War II continue to have repercussions for us today. Just several years ago, the shooting at Tree of Life in Pittsburgh was motivated not simply by anti-Jewish sentiment, but also by resentment and hatred for the fact that many of the Jews in one of the affected congregations worked for a Jewish refugee agency that was bringing refugees and immigrants to the United States. These are inextricably interlinked hatreds, which have deep historical roots, we got to look at that history and read about it and teach it to our children, or else it's going to recur. In fact, it's in a, a smaller way recurring even now as we speak on our own borders and the borders of many countries around the world. And we just can't turn away from that. Make a back wreck. But Alan Singer, a Hofstra University professor of education, disagrees. He says Whoopi wasn't wrong. I thought that a lot of what you said was okay. Whoopi Goldberg was opposing the banning of the book Mouse because she felt it was crucial that people learn about the Holocaust. But I have to tell you, even if you learn about the Holocaust, it doesn't necessarily mean that you studied Nazi ideology about race. 
that would be something that you would explore in college. So you could understand the extent of the Holocaust and its impact on Jews, but that doesn't mean you've studied Nazi ideology so that you recognize that the Nazis are talking about the Jews as a separate race. The other thing I thought she could have raised, which is important, is that the Nazis actually based their racial theories and their racial laws on Jim Crow laws in the American South. And the American South, southern states had laws that what they called the single drop of blood. And if you had any African ancestry, you were black and you were subject to discrimination. The Nazis actually adopted those U.S. racist laws and incorporated them into theirs. Maybe that's why we don't learn that much about it, Piz. To learn about it at the high school level would be to really uh, shock students with their own country's role in the whole thing. With the whole controversy about critical race theory, I suspect if you spent much time looking at that, you get a lot of Republican complaints. Why are we making our country look bad? And, of course, the U.S. had a problem with immigration during that period, not letting Jewish immigrants into the U.S., refugees, because uh, even though they were facing certain death, if they were returned. Adolf Hitler actually cited the quota laws and the effort to keep out the Jews in his ideological presentations. In 19, I think it was 1939, there was actually a ship called the St. Louis with refugees from Nazi Germany, and the United States refused to admit it. During the war, the United States would not bomb the tracks. They were train tracks that were taking Jews to the concentration camps. So the United States has a, a long history of its own anti-Semitism and its own racism. Why do you think they jumped on Whoopi Goldberg the way they did and to the point of like removing her for and then when you hear the thing that she said well right she didn't know about that but as you said that's sort of a almost a graduate school type of thing you have to write a paper on that and do a lot of research to understand that I think what's happening now is this fear that we have to show that we're not just sensitive to blacks and black history and that we have to show we're sensitive to all groups in the name of balance ABC came down heavy on Whoopi Goldberg, and I don't think it, their response to Whoopi Goldberg was justified on any level. Mm -hmm. She was wrong, but she was wronged by ABC. And that is Alan Singer, a Hofstra professor of education in Israel. Being Jewish is rarely seen in racial terms, in part because of the country's great diversity. Yet Jewish identity goes far beyond religion. Israelis typically refer to the Jewish people or Jewish nation, describing a group or civilization bound together by a shared history, culture, language and traditions and deep ties to Jewish communities overseas. But in his anti-Semitic tract, Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler claimed on numerous occasions that being Jewish was a race separate from the Germans. And New Yorkers are looking at a dangerous ice threat on Friday as Governor Kathy Hochul warned that sleet, freezing rain, and snow brought on by the winter storm would bring hazardous conditions across the state. The National Weather Advisory issued a winter weather alert for the Empire State through Friday night as a low-pressure system and cold front caused temperatures to plunge right across the Northeast. The governor speaking earlier today. It's throwing everything at us. We have snow we have freezing rain, we have sleet, we have icy roads, and so we're looking at this combination here in Hudson Valley in Ulster County. Uh, our biggest concern right now is ice on the roads. The challenge is, is that yes, we have a magnificent crew of individuals who know how to salt the roads in advance to stop the ice from forming, 
but when the when the first weather event is rain, it washes the salt off the roads, and that creates a challenge. But they were literally deployed the second they could. They're out there. Our best advice is just to stay off the roads. They're absolutely hazardous. And uh, in anticipation of this, we have literally the DOT crews out there as well as thousands of utility workers. These are the people. When the power starts going out, and we have over 48,000 power outages, uh, mostly in the Hudson Valley. I believe we're about 36 or 39,000 right in Ulster County. That is a lot of people, given that the population is 175,000. It's a lot of families who are without power as we speak. Most schools are closed. That is the right thing to do. Certainly you can use remote learning. We know how to do that as well. You prepare for the worst. You hope for the best. And right now we do believe that the concentration of the weather activity will abate by this evening, which is good. But in, until then, it is going to be literally a day full of freezing rain coming down. And as Governor Kathy Hochul, a travel advisory was also put into place for the Big Apple until Saturday morning as forecasters warned of dangerous icy conditions on the roads. And that's some of the news for Friday, February 4th, 2022. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo for the WBAI News. Thanks for listening. <laughs>